Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Um, today, we are discussing trauma um, and living through trauma and making it through trauma and how we do that and the effects of trauma and living with trauma. <laughs> trauma, 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 trauma. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and ask everyone how they're doing. Dramesh, how you doing? Doing really well. Happy to be here with y'all. Yeah, doing well. Roy, what about you? Roy Woody. Hey, good morning. Um, doing really well. Uh, really busy week, tired. Um, as part of the Dev Valley Community Coalition, we did a bunch of things, of, uh, food relief and water relief to a bunch of the community in this area. So that was really awesome. Yeah, I'd love to hear more about that, um, especially for this show. Oh, yes. Susie, how are you doing? I'm uh, making it, making it. Just, I'm glad to be out of the trauma of the winter storm. <laughs> um, sometimes I feel like my trauma is, uh, I know trauma is relative, but I feel like my trauma is nothing compared to what other people have been through, especially even even just recently. I only lost my water and power for like 48 hours. Yeah, I want us to talk about that. Like, um, do we get to feel um, like traumatized um, when we compare ourselves to others? Like, how are we supposed to, you know, how does that compute in our heads and where do we go with that information? Roy? I feel very untraumatized. Untraumatized. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, it's just mostly uh, bewilderment not, rather than trauma. Um, yeah, we can talk about how trauma turns into anger, too. <laughs> <laughs> and, how, and how you put it out of your head sometimes. That's what happens to me. It, me too. I just yeah, like it. it. turns into anger and turns into, yeah, shutdowns and... All right. Okay. Well, I'm doing good. Uh, I was not present last time because let's start from here. Um, I just needed a break. I needed to just, you know what I did while the, everyone else was recording? I was in a bath. I was taking a bath and I'm damn proud of it. I have to tell y'all, <laughs> I put a bunch of these salts in there and it felt so good. good. It felt so good. That's yeah. Awesome. You can find a way to relax in the middle it. of all this yeah, yeah absolutely yeah so um so i i'm i'm just gonna start out by saying uh the winter storm was not last week but the week before right and the thought that i've been having this week is how the hell did my mom and dad make it through eight years of dictatorship, people getting uh, put in jail? Uh, every time my brother and I would leave the house, there was no, you know, we, we might have been taken, disappeared. I was I came close to being disappeared in school one time. Uh, bombs falling on our heads. Forget rolling blackouts constantly <clears throat> i don't think we well we lost water in the first month when the war started i mean just and the job insecurity they kept getting fired because they weren't 
Islamic Muslim, according to what was, you know, newly invented, uh, just endless eight years of this and, you know, and beyond. I mean, even when the war ended, it's just, I don't know how they made it. And this was just one week, one yeah. week for us. And I felt what I felt. We all felt overwhelmed. We all felt scared, all of that. But I'm just, I'm just trying to, you know, and then I, I look at Iranians of a certain generation, of my parents' generation. Oh, um, nervous systems are shot. Yeah. Nervous systems are shot. There's then, no um, culture of self-care. Um, not much of it anyway. You just... Yeah. Um, Did you hear about the the schoolgirls in Nigeria? Three hundred were kidnapped this weekend. Mm -mm. So you know that makes me think too. It's like, my God, they came to the school, rounded up three hundred girls, just like Boko Haram did, right. and and they don't know where they are just for going to school. And I don't think they're having bombs dropped on them currently. It's I, all the same stuff, right? Yeah. Sort I, try of, to, yeah. I try to say that to myself when something horrible is happening. Like, I'm not a woman living in the Congo. So get over it. Now, is is that seems mm. fair to me. But at the same time, I'm also saying that my my trauma or whatever I'm dealing with personally is negated, which it is. I love that you're bringing this up. I'll tell you... I'll, 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 I'll tell you a story um, of this generation of Iranians that I was just talking about, my, my parents' generation, when I sit with them, if, you know, the very few times that I've sat with anyone from that generation, I've said, wow, like this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, so many different traumatic experiences. Not that I'm focusing on this. I am truly like, this is something that I... I'm curious about, right? Do you know that their response is, when you just, why are you focusing on this? Like, what? I don't, nothing. I don't feel, yeah, it's, I'm fine. Again, relative, you, uh, we adapt. We learn to live under any conditions. I mean, and that's the other thing. I mean, it wouldn't have been, if we had gone without power forever, we would have fucking adapted. That's what we do. Just like this pandemic. We're adapting. A, a change or die, right? So what is that? Where do we fall in that suffering? Because I just don't think Americans have any idea what it's like to, to suffer real consequences of wars. Because it doesn't have, we don't have the war here. We send it over there. That's very true. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I think there's two things going on. It is it is true we lost water for five days, so it is true that we lost water for five days. Like that is that that did happen to us. It was problematic because we didn't have enough. We were we were running out of water, right? The water that we had in the bathtubs because. So my mind is always on. Oh wait, it's up to the government to protect me. I live in the U.S., not Finland. I'm dead. I need to take care of my own shit because there might as well not be a state. 
right? So, so before everything, well, we live in Texas. I mean, if you were in Massachusetts, it would or or California, it'd be I, a little I, different. I don't know. So, uh, so I filled the bathtubs real early on in the crisis, and so when we ran out of water, we had water for flushing and cleaning. But you know, five days in, the bathtubs yeah. were getting, and and then one of the bathtubs I filled with, I ended up fill, uh, reinforcing it with snow and ice. And so we, we did our best to sort of take it out. There's no doubt that during that time I had fear. I, I was worried. There's no doubt that I, I was sort of holding to the family survival. You know, like, do we have enough water to cook? Do we have enough water to drink? So I, I, I was doing all of that, but I think it wasn't just you though. I mean, I was scavenging. No, no, but I'm just you. talking about my, ex- my, right, my experience, yeah, yeah. like the, the, whether or not I experienced any hardship. Yeah, right. Yeah. So relative to the rest of the world, I did not like, what was the big problem here? There, there, the dishes in the sink weren't going to get cleaned. Oh my God. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, the to- and the toilet smelled like uh, sewage water that had been sitting out for a long time. Like, like in terms of actual suffering, my suffering was quite minimal. Right. And, uh, and, and yet we had so much anxiety. Right. So here's the thing. The, the reality is the anxiety was true. Mm-hmm. There, there, there really was an emotional situation, but in perspective, and it's good to check in with perspective, it wasn't like there was a war. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this was a self-inflicted wound that wasn't that horrible to navigate. I mean, we also only lost the power for four and a half hours. So for people who lost the power for five hours, five days, they obviously had a much worse experience than we did. Um, but again, compared to having bombs dropped on your house <laughs> in a war, losing the power for five days just isn't that big of a deal. Now, also some of my resilience probably comes from the fact that I did live in the in the, the Middle East for four years and power outages were normal. They they lasted a few hours. It's just the way it was. You just got used to it. Um, so I think there's also like a resilience thing that, that Americans might be missing be, because our lives are so easy and and good. Well, if, especially if you have some money. But even if you're poor in the United States, you might still have a widescreen TV. I don't know. Yes. I, I didn't have much resilience this time. <laughs> And, you know, I actually grew up during war in Iran. Well, but there's also another trauma that we're dealing with, Mm -hmm. which may help explain why we're not resilient right now. And that is the four years of Trump. Yes. I would log on to BBC to see if the planet was still there when I'd wake up in the morning. That was a real, Mm -hmm. real trauma that we went through for four years. And we're going to be dealing with it. I mean, it's PTSD for me, I think. And and then 11 months of the COVID situation Mm -hmm. human beings are designed to have that kind of trauma for about 90 seconds right it's hilarious there there's two things going four years no there's two (laughs) things going on in my head one is shut up you ninny and the other one is this is real shut up you ninny ninny. (laughs) you're not in the congo (laughs) yeah for me it's like uh Getting, getting back to that, uh, I was talking to a coworker at work the other day, and he was like, he said he lost his electricity for like, you know, a couple of hours, but he said he feels bad telling that story. I was like, man, I feel even worse because, you know, we didn't, nothing happened at our house, and I think it's because we are on the airport grid. Uh, so to me, it's kind of like, I feel just, just to feel bad for everyone, you know, that, that did suffer from something, like, you know, 
it's just just horrible yeah i can imagine we're yeah we're on a hospital grid and so it, it it was shocking it was a transformer that blew it didn't have anything to do it just was overuse and it and um they had to just replace the transformer saint david is on this grid and they had people pooping in bags employees were pooping in bags because they didn't have the electricity or the water everything was shut off can you imagine at a hospital we we were on the upper middle class grid oh there's there's literally no infrastructure anywhere nearby to explain why we didn't lose the electricity more than four and a half hours really but austin did something i think really interesting when it restored water it started in east austin and central austin so the it was the upper middle class part of the city that got its water last when when has that ever happened in the united states when the rich got their their stuff last and not only that oh i'm sorry not only that uh so that same co-worker i was talking to he lives uh in the Oak Hill area, which is West Austin, he said his water is kind of like it's white or something like that. It's, 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 it's milky. It's yes, milky we, we have that too. Yeah. So yeah. Like, that's interesting. It's is just that... trapped gases. I'm sure oh, it's okay. fine. Okay. Serious? <laughs> in Colorado, that was the norm. Oh, okay. When you when you faucet, yeah, I, I think it's a hard water thing. Okay. Limestone or something. Yeah, okay. I think it's the effect of all the hard water. It's just but... a little limestone sediment. You're texting. You're getting your minerals in. <laughs> You know, your vital minerals like lead, mercury, <laughs> selenium, arsenic, cyanide. We just found out they took out the lithium from the from New Mexico's water. Oh, that's we just put, evil. That's just a whole, <laughs> especially during a pandemic. Give me the fucking lithium. The, the reason is, is because lithium is, a, is, a, is on the periodic table. It can't be patented. So nobody can make any real money off of it. But they're making money off water. But that's kind of voluntary, right? Because you don't have to buy bottled water. You did this week. You could have boiled the water <laughs> that you had if Not you had if your any... water was shut off. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I also filled pots of water. So we had pots of water for fresh water and then bathtubs for cleaning. Ramesh, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, we, we lost electricity for a couple of days off and on um we lost water you know the entire duration for the whole week uh weren't able to drive around because it was you know country roads which were the last to get cleaned um but for me it was it was fun it was fine uh i i feel you traumatized afterwards or anything like that um and i think for for my family who i wasn't with for for the duration of like the winter storm or whatever similar feelings here right like it was a week and it happened and they had s'mores and the whole campfire basically in the living room it was an, an enjoyable time to be together um but for me right it was it was reminiscent of like times in childhood in Pakistan and we'd have load shedding and just deal with it and then continue to do life as, as normal mm -hmm. um yeah and and just you know work work around the the crisis that's happening um Right. So I, I have, you know, the, for me, those were some really bright memories because whenever the power would go out, you, you can't do homework anymore, whatever else you go out, out and you play in the streets. Um, yeah. So what is that? So I'm guessing that that's not particularly good for the economy when you shut down for several days out of the year, every every how long, maybe six or seven times a year. 
that happens or does it happen more often than that? Oh, the, the, the load shedding is a daily thing. So this is like, you know, you know, depending on the area you're in, you, you lose power for a certain period of time just because there is enough uh, power on the grid for the demand that there is. Um, yeah, but, but at the same time, I think that it's, we do ourselves like a disservice if we like deny the trauma or say, I'm not in the Congo or whatever else, right? Like for, for, for us sort of psychologically or, or in our emotional lives or whatever, it, it's just as real and pertinent as, as any other kind of trauma, our body and our mind and our brain and psyche still deal with it as, as we would any other trauma. It doesn't matter if it's like a tiger chasing me down or if it's uh, this other thing that's causing it that may not be as, as legitimate in, in, in another's eyes. I wonder but though- Yeah, I don't think we should be looking at our trauma. At one point, at what point is it um, just c being a whiny crybaby? And <laughs> at what, yeah, at what, like I, what, what, how do we discern um, uh, just buckle up as opposed to, yeah, allow yourself to feel it? Is it both? Is it what, what, how are we supposed to think? I don't, I have never been taught how to deal, right? I have never been taught. I went to school more than most. I did. I don't want to talk about how many years I was in college. And I don't want to talk about how many years I was in grad school. Um, I, I don't know how to think about these things, right? Like if I get triggered, I mean, which is what was happening here, right? Um, the, the, I'll, I'll tell you all a story. Here's a story. And I've, I've, I've talked about this before, not on this show, but I just recently figured this out. In fact, I, every time I would have to put a mask on because of COVID, I would feel I was missing something on my head. I still feel that every, every morning when I go into work, I have to put my, I, I put my mask on. And then as I'm walking to the door, I feel I'm missing something. And, and I, my attention immediately goes to my head mm. and I feel it's because of childhood memories of, of, of fear that I am, because I don't believe in this hijab, that I, I'm always at the precipice of not wearing it or getting caught having not worn it. And who knows what's going to happen to you if you go out without hijab. That very early year or two, right after the revolution, well, three years after the revolution, um, a year after the war, it became mandatory. During those that one year, there was this very gray area of, are you going to put it on? Are you not? You still could, you couldn't. Um, and then it became mandatory. And then it was, the fear was instilled. They had to really crack down. And then it's been ever since this yearly two, three times of buses, uh, you know, loading people who don't women women only who do not have good hijab into and taking them to whatever I, so there's right it just getting triggered for holy shit there's a covering i have to have that i don't and no matter how much i keep reminding myself woman you are good every morning i i'm like Ugh. i just go oh shit and i'm like okay just chill, chill, chill. Just, it is just revisiting that, that childhood thing over and over. And I feel bad about that. I'm like, what is wrong with you? What the hell is wrong with you, woman? Get with it. PTSD. Right? It's PTSD. I know. I know. So at one point, 
how do we parse all this, right? How I, I'm, I, I'm there. I, this is my mind space, yeah. especially in the last two weeks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's, it, 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 it does come back to like your personal, you know, emotional response to that particular trigger thing, right? So they're, they're like, for example, right? What, what, in a situation where, where, where like there has been like, you know, flash grenade bombing or whatever, that, that wasn't traumatizing or triggering to me in any capacity. It was fine for me, but in a minor sort of like emotional uh, mishap or situation, that's been very traumatizing or triggering for me. Um, and, I, and I think to call myself, you know, like uh, what was the word you use? A ninny in one of those situations, but not in the other, whatever. It, it just isn't helpful to anyone. Um, right in order to sort of like uh and it isn't helpful to go around the slightest shoe drops and you're like oh you know i'm going into this state of frozenness and right i just yeah it's it's (laughs) i know what it is i i internally like i can keep track of it maybe what i what I don't know how to do is how to present it to the outside world. Like what is defensive, dis- defensible, what is not defense, what falls under what category? Yeah. 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 There's this really interesting thing about trauma where we sometimes need it to be like socially legitimated, right? Like we need other folks to recognize that and say that that's okay for you to feel that way about this particular incident. Well, I think, yeah. but it does. I mean, at some level, right. If, um, yeah. Definitely helpful. So, so I think the, one, yeah, sorry, oh, sorry. Definitely helpful. I know regarding like in the black community because we have this history of like you know the whips and the and the beating and people you know now that you know that social aspect of that have let you know other black folks know hey this isn't right you know what I mean uh, it's been handed down from slavery from our parents to our grandparents you know what I mean stuff like that and to carry that on like I don't I don't whip my kids and uh, you know stuff like stuff like that uh, because I, it's just the trauma of it all. Yeah. Sorry, Roy, go ahead. Uh, so what I was going to add was <clears throat> this question of civil society and why we did it. And th- it comes off of last the last show where we talked about Hobbes and the Leviathan. And so, you know, like, and I invoked Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, <clears throat> the, the first two are just basically survival. But then after that, what civil society can do is it can provide us with convenience. And when you think about it, that's really all a civilization is, is it's layers of convenience stacked on each other. And the reason why convenience is so useful, besides for you personally and what you gain out of it, is because it allows for specialization. So if you allow, if you made every single person raise their own food and collect their own water, then nobody could really become a, a particularly amazing potter. Nobody could become a, a, a real soldier because they'd be spending too much of their time producing their food and getting their water. You know, nobody could really be an engineer. So what you do is you create specializations and you have one segment of civil society taking care of the food, one segment taking care of the water, et cetera. And then that, that takes those people out of that. And then they can, they can apply their energy towards these other things. Modern civilization takes that level of specialization to such a high degree that when you think about it, there aren't really that many people working on those first two hierarchy of needs things. After that, it becomes just sort of layer after layer after layer of convenience. So if you're particularly wealthy, your your expectations for convenience are through the roof. And if you're particularly poor, your expectations are dramatically less. So if there's a shock in the system, and some of those conveniences, like, for example, having water come out of your faucet 
that you could drink without boiling first or putting through some sort of fermentation process first. Um, that, that's only a 130 year experience for yeah. the human species, right? Because that water traditionally that we would pump into your home was contaminated with cholera and dysentery. So losing this thing that we've only had for 130 years on the grand scale of things looks like, oh, you're crying about that, really? But, but in reality, it, it links to what our expectations are for the stability of our society. So mm-hmm. if, if you're just used to walking up and putting a cup underneath a faucet and turning it on, and there's water in your cup that you can now instantly drink, and that's gone, it's alarming because even relative to other things, it's nothing, but relative to what you're used to, it is something. And it, and it, and it indicates a failure of the state. Yeah. So I think that the, the trauma is real. I think what happens, though, is our expectations become, can become really skewed. So, for example, the people who were against the Affordable Care Act and also known as Obamacare, although apparently Americans don't know this, right? Like in surveys, uh, 60% of Americans like the Affordable Care Act, but, but 60% of Americans hated Obamacare. And then you go, wow, wow, what do I do with that? <laughs> Who are those 20%? We need to find them. Um, the so, yeah, probably. Um, it, the, a lot of the argument against it was there will be wait lines for my surgery, like Canada has. Well, okay, so this gets to what our expectations for convenience. So there's a limited amount of hospital beds, doctors, met, IVs, medicine, there's a limited amount on the planet. There's a limited amount of time that the doctors can attend to you, that nurses can attend to you. So there is, there is no way with our current capacity that everybody who has a medical need can get it met, but not in the United States. And so as a result, what we did was we triaged people according to your wealth. If you had the money, you could get it. If you didn't, you died. And the estimate was that 45,000 Americans died per year from a completely curable thing they just simply didn't have the cash to pay for it. So Obamacare was, a, was an attempt to fix that because it would get more people. There were 50 million un, uninsured. Obamacare's goal was 35 million. It got 21 of those 50 million. So it missed the mark. But it, but yeah. still, that's 40% of that population. So it's wonderful. Um, the, the, the people who are complaining about their lack of convenience are looking going, what if I want liposuction? What if I need my nose job? What if I want butt implant surgery? I'm going to have to wait until this poor bastard over here who can't, who wouldn't have been able to afford his heart surgery earlier could get to it. And that's going to inconvenience me. And so at that point, I think having perspective is really useful because you kind of just yeah. want to slap the hell out of the person with the plastic surgery problem. Yeah. I love. I, I think, uh, yeah. So, so, so I, I hear you saying that trauma is uh, some, somewhat about expectations and what we're accustomed to in all of this. I, I, yeah, I think that like in, in the moment itself and before the trauma has actually happened for us, it's it's really important to keep that perspective in mind and that grounding in mind to, in order to prevent the trauma from being like traumatic in, in our memory, in our psyche, all of this, right? So like perhaps while the water thing was going on or whatever, uh, if you were able to keep that in mind, if you're able to stay grounded in that particular capacity, then that particular incident wouldn't have been traumatizing for you. But like after the fact, once once that trauma has happened or whatever, we should legitimate it as a trauma and think of it as such and sort of interact with it as such. But yeah, and then the other thing I wanted to say something about is the, you said that like um, something about the, the failure of the state. I think for me as well, like, right, it's the, 
the immediate cutting off of the water or the immediate problem of the electricity not being there or the immediate, you know, all these different immediate problems of the pandemic not being addressed properly, all of this stuff hasn't been traumatizing in the immediacy, right? The fact that I have to wear a mask, the fact that the pandemic isn't addressed or whatever, but there have been moments in time where I've caught myself, uh, where I've had, you know, something close to a panic attack over the fact that my state couldn't respond to the pandemic yeah. adequately, whereas in Pakistan it was. Any lack of an immediate need, any lack of food, any lack of water, but it was uh, like, oh fuck, where am I gonna be in a hundred years? What's gonna happen to the environment? What's gonna happen to my world? all of this uh, if my state can't even handle this. Yeah, I, I really think that a lot of, and this is legitimate and something that doesn't get talked about. We do not talk about the fact that we are, we have been losing trust in the state being able to take care of what it's supposed to take care of, which is a goddamn pandemic. Um, this was huge. That creates large amounts of anxiety as a parent i'm like every every month that goes by i start thinking um this is looking more and more like my childhood mm. that is anxiety provoking to me yeah yeah right four years of trump looked like we were sliding into a dictatorship that I had grown up in. And every year I had experienced in that dictatorship more loss and more loss and more loss. The, the CPAC yeah. didn't help anything on that either. I don't, uh, the Ted Cruz and all of these people standing up there and essentially lifting up Trump. And, and we said before the golden calf, the golden statue that everybody wanted to take pictures with. Um, I think he's gonna. He's the man. They're what is that a reference to, Susie? What is the oh. gold? Is it biblical? What is that? Yes, yes, it is. Ramesh, what is that? You, you wanna? Uh, it, it's Quranic as well, right? Bani I, Israel, you know, the, the, totally the calf, all of this stuff. Professor, yeah. professor, I, I was back to my Quran Totally <laughs> over my head. Yeah. So what is it, Ramesh? What, what is it? No, go for it, Susie. I was just laughing because I was thrown back to my moment sitting and doing the fucking like uh, exegesis of these like individual verses and looking at the golden calf for like 10 hours. Uh. I think you would be better. To How did I miss the golden again. calf? Oh, oh, the golden, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Moses, what if y'all tell it? Because I'm not religious and I just know peripherally what it what it is. It should have been when Moses went to uh, to talk to God, right? Uh, in the mountains or something like that and he came back you know he was gone for so long oh the people were yeah. people were worshiping a golden calf yes. okay I, yeah. uh -huh. yes i remember i remember yes thou shalt not put any idols yeah. before me yeah, yeah. but gotcha. it's okay. but apparently gotcha, yes. it's okay to have idols and it's okay to have other gods just not before him in the old testament anyway right which is the old testament and i may have this totally wrong is it basically the quran First five books or the Torah? Oh, it's Torah is the Old Testament. And then the New Testament was what the people who created Christianity stuck onto that. And then the Quran is those two texts rewritten with more text added. So the Old Testament is incorporated. Uh, like, <laughs> not I'm, quite. It's but not yeah. verbatim. It's the Quran is not clearly not the Old Testament and the New Testament verbatim. It is not. No, it's actually so some of the stories um, of 
of um, the prophets from the past um, and in in uh, Islam. Wow, we are way off topic. We should totally make this our religion <laughs> topic. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just really, I, that's what I had always heard. The Torah, and see, again, these are, I'm not religious. I know a few things, but that's- Okay, but here's my question for CPAC. So I, I'm assuming a lot of these folks at least feign Christian, yeah, right? Yeah. Being Christian. Yeah. So why are they going taking pictures with the golden calf being they don't Trump? Get it? They don't get it. Christians don't read the Bible. <clears throat> Christians don't know. I mean, the, a vast majority of these, but white like people, idols, we're not talking like deep. Uh, you know, it just it doesn't. It doesn't matter. I mean. 30% of those people think the earth is flat. Like, I don't think there's, you're, you're looking for I'm something so that sorry. ain't there. I'm so sorry. <laughs> they just don't get it. They just follow whatever somebody else tells them to follow. It, they got nothing to back up. You know, it's, you can't have conversations with these people, even about something they espouse to know so much, you know. I guess my question was, was this making fun of Trump or was it no, supporting it was, Trump? Yeah, obviously it was supporting Trump. They yeah. were getting pictures with it. They thought it was the coolest thing ever. The hypocrisy with these people runs so fucking deep. It's but just was it called the Golden Trump? No, it's a sta Golden Statue of a Trump. A Gold Statue of Trump. I, you oh. don't have to have a PhD to realize Gold Statue of Trump, a Golden Idol. Okay. <laughs> okay. So there, I guess you haven't seen it, is what I'm guessing. It's I, actual... This morning I saw it. This okay, morning, so, yeah. So that's now. the thing that when you walked in, there it was, and you could take pictures with it. And it is so clearly the golden calf that it's just, it's painful to see these. I mean, it's gold. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's not even like they tried to make him orange or something. They should have put him <laughs> sitting on his golden toilet. That would have been awesome. Gold Trump, gold and then and then of course the stage is shaped like a yeah, Nordic the room that the SS used in their yeah. Symbolism. Yeah, let's not forget that. Yeah, and it, can, can somebody pull that up uh, and put them side by side? Let me the see room. if I can find it. Okay. Oh my god. I think you can just do that. That wouldn't have uh, flown in Germany, right? Like we we wouldn't have been able to have a stage in that that kind of symbol. Oh um, no. If we were Trump would have flown in Germany. No, the, the Nazis in Germany are, are, are more clever than the Nazis in the United States. They're still flying a flag of a loser. So, I, actually, um, I found it, so I'll just... Yeah, okay. Do you? Sure. What about the trauma right. that our, our senators and um, House people suffered? My God, having a, somebody come in there and yeah i mean I, it clearly it clearly freaked them out because during the trial they were clearly traumatized yeah okay and yet nothing is. came of it no no it was fine i mean we got more fences and security for for that group of people in that area right right i mean they they almost killed romney and pence i mean it was really close sometimes these these yeah, right. I also wonder what would happen if our if our uh, grid has gone into you know months long crisis. Sometimes I want the crisis thing to happen so we actually fucking like mm -hmm. change and reform. So, uh, so for the record, the crisis that we just experienced here in Texas could have been worse. Apparently, uh, uh, I think it's sixty hertz. I, anyway, I, at some point when the electrical grid gets stressed, 
it can only survive for so long. Mm -hmm. And the electrical grid uh, has nine minutes at that stress level. And we ha we were at four and a half minutes, yeah. literally four and a half minutes from a total collapse. And when that would if that had happened, we would have been out of electricity for weeks, not not hours. Um, we 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 reached we we were four and a half minutes from reaching that threshold point. And having said that, not only does this bring up, you know, like the state has failed us, but it also demonstrates something else that I think maybe even if you're not fully conscious of it might be operating on you subconsciously, which is sort of the inherent evilness of the system that we have. Um, for example, the extremely expensive um, bills that people are receiving. I think there's a little bit of naivete about exactly what went into that. One of, one of the reasons why the, the companies that produce the energy, the private companies, so not the public ones, because in Texas we have both public and private. So it depends on where you live, what you, what you had available to you. But the, the private ones didn't prepare. And the reason why they didn't prepare is, is intentional. It's not that they were clumsy. It's not that they were accidentally not preparing. It, it's just capitalism. The, the reality is that capitalism ben benefits from scarcity. This is an old lesson. This is why the Great Depression happened. This is nothing new. We know that when you have a surplus of goods, prices collapse and capitalism no longer functions. And so the way that you, but, but when you have the opposite, when you have a scarcity of goods, all of a sudden profit margins are through the roof. So you, if you're an energy provider in your private business, you have a couple of options here. One of the options that you have is go ahead and make the energy. So let's say because the temperature dropped to three degrees that you're if in that 10 days, your normal electrical bill would have been $100. Now it's going to be 200 because you've used more energy. <laughs> if I don't produce enough energy, it's not going to be 200. If it's going to be 2000 because the scarcity is going to drive the price of the goods up. But it also means that somebody's going to go without. So 40% of the population doesn't have energy. So they're, they're not getting a bill at all. But this is for the state of Texas where we have deregulated energy. It's right? where the, this private, was the whole point of the deregulation. It's where, they're, where, where like I said earlier, it's where there are private mm -hmm. energy providers. Mm -hmm. So what ends up happening then is 60% of my people are now getting a $2,000 bill instead of 100% getting a $200 bill. And so 60 times 2000 is 1200. My profit margin is through the roof because I'm making $1,200 on average per customer instead of 200. Why wouldn't I do that? In fact, it's against the law in the United States for a corporation to make a decision that would cheat its shareholders out of a maximized profit. Mm -hmm. Which is why we de deregulated to begin with. And this points to another thing that so the anxiety that builds every year is complicated by the fact that when, even when stuff like this happens, I go back to work, nobody really knows why this happened. Yeah. And, and when yeah. I push them to tell me the reasoning, they say, oh, because incompetence. I'm like, this was not incompetence. This was the system is built this way. This is intentional. And then they keep pulling. They keep throwing certain people and certain organizations under the bus 
just to oh incompetence incompetence just to it's confuse Aircott's us Aircott's it's fault. windmill's fault it's that particular person's <laughs> fault it's we didn't listen to that report we didn't jump no it's not incompetence well it's it's not incompetence it is purposeful it is uh it, there's a it's it's like you guys said it's to make money i, I mean Ted Cruz was in at CPAC the other day screaming about how great Florida is, but it's not as great as Cancun. And I was so pissed off. I mean, viscerally angry. I just immediately thought, you son of a bitch, you then go there. Then you go there and you stay there. I don't know if it's going to hurt him. All over Twitter, I'm seeing things like, <laughs> Oh, Texas deserves what it gets. You know, you guys mm -hmm. voted for these people. And I'm like, Stephen King did that, dude, right? Man. And it's so crazy because I had just watched the, uh, the two newest It movies. And then Stephen King did that. He's like, yeah, yeah Texas, look what you voted man. for. And da, 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 kind of thing. Tweet. But I'm with him on this. You yeah. get the government you deserve. <laughs> I'm with him on this. For you the get rest. the government you earn. I'm there yeah. too. I thought, I thought like hell to get Beto in there. So I, I, I'm yeah. sorry. But, I but we failed. Yeah. yeah, but we tried. Well, and it would have been hard enough. But it's not the full <laughs> Texas, though. Like, it doesn't explain it, the full it, Texas, though. No, yeah. Well, look at, the, look at Biden, though. He, he actually came pretty close in Texas. He you know, missed 6%. But, I mean, that's, that's a big deal. It is a big deal. years was, uh, of, of, it's of red. Yeah. But the election in November 2022 is less than two years away. <laughs> so somebody might be in doo-doo land. Well, yeah. this, these, these are our final statements. Susie just went. Roy talked about doo-doo land. Roy Peace, what do you got for us? Uh, me, man. Um, Nothing really. <laughs> yeah, just didn't listen to y'all. Uh, yeah, like I said, my trauma on this wasn't as bad, but I have been, as part of my organization, Delbatic Community Coalition, coalition that uh, you know my wife is the president of, uh, she's been organizing yeah. all of these drives uh, to get folks in the east, east part of uh, Travis County, get them water, get them food, uh, you know. So we've been on a ton of, uh, get, you know, distribution drives. So it's been awesome. I just want to say when when I go from when in the past this time I was not able to do it but when in the past I've gone from this is triggering me to let's let's just stop being inside and go and do some organizing mm -hmm. it it has completely changed my energy it's been very healing mm -hmm. that's right um, so there's always that yeah thank you Roy for um, and Susanna for all that you always are doing. Thank you, thank you. Ramesh, what about you? Keep legitimating your traumas, Google trauma <laughs> healing, do some work around that. I don't care if it was like the time when your sibling pushed you when you were 10, if it was the electricity thing, if it was real war, work on yourself, work on your traumas. Does right, anybody have any shout outs real quick? Like uh, like the, the group that um, Roy wor works with, will you tell us the name of that again and maybe where people can go? Uh, yes, uh, Del Valley Community Coalition. That's Del Valley, D-E-L, and then Valley, V-A-L-L-E, uh, Community Coalition. And we're on Facebook, uh, Instagram. We have a website. Yeah. yeah. And Ramesh is going to be a, a guest on Plutopia, which uh, Roy was recently. And uh, that's coming up at the end of March. What's Plutopia? Plutopia is a podcast of the um, 
weird and odd. <laughs> and we like to try to tackle subjects that are uh, sort of like us, but we have guests, mm -hmm. which it makes it a little different format. So yeah, we're going to talk about Ramesh's article. That yes, was in the that's Chronicle. what I was going to talk about. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, so Ramesh had an article come out last week. Um, I have five copies of the the Austin Chronicle. Uh, it, it was brilliant. It was an experience that he was writing about. Um, Ramesh, you want to take a couple minutes to talk about it? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the article basically talks about, um, yeah, now, now that hmm, Trump is gone, there's this impulse to, to continue to engage with like policing and with uh, surveillance uh, tactics that look a little bit more softer or more liberal. Uh, things like countering violent extremism programs or targeted uh, TVTP, other programs uh, that end up structurally like targeting young Muslim folks, young immigrant folks, especially black Muslims of color, uh, particularly like Somali Muslim populations. Um, and these are really, really strange programs that, that push uh, surveillance uh, throughout all sorts of institutions in your community. Like for example, their local, um, local police, uh, sorry, local police who are accepting funds from this, but even hospitals. So for example, the Boston's Children's Hospital received CD funds uh, in order to set up a, a program within their mental health services to uh, target and, um, young Muslims or other folks, uh, surveil them for any sort of radical beliefs, which means you know departing from any liberal norm within the United States. Uh, radical political beliefs, things like that, surveilling them for you know freedom of thought and speech, and then diverting them into programs, viewing them as potential terrorists, and pushing them into uh, policing in prisons. There's some trauma. So yeah, that's not very good. Learn more about it. Google Muslim Youth Policing, Austin Chronicle, and it'll pop up. <laughs> yes. And Ramesh Nadim, put that name in there. I'll come right up. Thank y'all. This was a good show. Um, and we shall see you next week. Yeah. Uh, stay happy. Stay safe. <laughs> yes. Bye.